Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. So I want to pray this morning. I want to move forward in our study and see what God has. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here, God. Thank you for the time we've already had to spend worshiping you in song, worshiping and the offering, Lord, giving back to you. Um, Lord, we also thank you for uh, just this, this body of believers here. I'm excited uh, what you have in store for us in 2017. Uh, I praise you for what you did in 2016. God, we saw many people saved, many people baptized, many added to the church, God. We saw uh, the gospel go out to thousands and thousands of people. And God, we praise you for that. And we ask that you would continue to use us up. Lord, help us be fruitful for your kingdom in 2017, Lord. Help us to see even more people saved, even more people baptized, even more people added to your church. God, help us to get the gospel to even more people uh, this year. Lord, you, we, you've given us this time on this earth uh, to be a part of your kingdom, Lord, to be a part of your mission. And I pray that we would be mission-minded people. God, we'd realize that we only have a short time to accomplish that mission. And again, that's why we're here. And along the way, you pour so many blessings in our lives. You pour out blessings of our family and our friends. And um, Lord, just even the temporal blessings that we have in this world, you pour out so many of them in our lives. And I pray that we would see every single one of them as what they are, a blessing from you and a blessing to, to use to glorify you uh, along this journey. And Lord, we ask you to bless now in this message, uh, that you'd fill me with the spirit as a preach, Lord, and that uh, it would go out. And Lord, every single one of us would respond to your word accordingly. Lord, I ask that if there's someone here that's lost, uh, they would give their life to you before we dismiss today. Before we leave today, uh, they would surrender their all to you. Lord, help us as believers uh, to give full attention to this important message as well. Lord, we praise you for what you do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 9, if you have your Bibles there, we're going to pick up in verse 46. It says, there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest. Uh, now remember what we just talked about. They had, um, were afraid to ask Jesus what the meaning was that he had just said, that he was uh, not going to be there very long. Um, and now there is a, an argument, a debate, a discussion. Uh, who's going to be the greatest uh, among them in the kingdom of God? And Jesus, look what it says, perceiving the thought of their heart, and that's important because we've already talked about the fact that he's the God incarnate, he's the Word incarnate, he is God in flesh, walking in them. So he knows their minds, he knows their hearts, he knows what's going to happen before it even happens, all those things. Nothing surprises the Lord here. Um, and here, he perceives what's going on in their hearts, he knows the motive of the conversation, knows the purpose, why they're, they're discussing this among themselves, and he takes a child, it says, and he sets him by him, and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me, the Father. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Now that, that's, a, that's a profound statement again in this world. If we look at somebody saying in this world, hey, you've got to become the least to be the greatest, uh, it, it goes against everything the world tells us. Uh, we, we saw the keys again last week. Uh, to success and effective uh, service for God. And here, we're looking at something that's so important. This, this, this foundation, this, this bedrock um, element or principle, 
for greatness in God's kingdom. We looked at success in God's eyes. We look at how to effectively serve God. Now we see this principle, this bedrock thing of what it is to be great in God's side or great in the kingdom of God. He's having to rebuild his disciples' understanding of what greatness is because, as I said a while ago, uh, back in their day, mankind has always been the same. Today, we see that in order to be great, you've got to go out and get yours. You've got to step over whoever you've got to step over. You've got to trample on whoever you've got to trample on. Again, this is the course of the world, the way the world, the system of the world. You've got to make sure that you watch out for your own back because no one's got yours. That's, that's, the, that's the, 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 the state and that's the belief that the world has. And many of you work in jobs and you, you feel like that. You feel like, that's absolutely right. I've got to be looking out for my own back because the person that's working next to me or my boss, they're only looking out for themselves as well. And um, again, that's not what Jesus, Jesus is teaching in rebuilding their understanding. And not only their understanding, but their attitude of what greatness is or attitude towards greatness. I believe the disciples having this discussion about who's going to be the greatest, maybe they got wrapped up in this hoopla of walking around being in Jesus' crew, you know. Um, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're a part of the, the, the group. We're a part of this, 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 this running group uh, with Jesus. And I would say even especially Peter, James, and John who went up to the mountaintop, uh, the mountain of transfiguration. They saw Moses, Elijah. We saw that last week. These guys were probably among the greatest uh, in, in the conversation. And we even know from other texts uh, that they're, hey, you know, I'm going to sit on the right. I'm going to my son to sit on the right, sit on the left. Uh, they had this mindset that because they were in the inner circle with Jesus, that just being there was going to get them uh, to this level of greatness. And uh, I would say as a human being, it would be hard for any of us not to do the same. I mean, if you saw what they, these guys saw, I mean, it's hard for us because we haven't seen those things the way they saw them. They, at this point in time, Jesus, remember what the question was? Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the son of the living God. You're, you're the Messiah. Even though they acknowledged that, even though they said that, they, it still, something was still not clicking. The purpose, his, his purpose here to die for the sins of the world, something was not still clicking with these men. And so again, they're wrapped up in this conversation because they're on this fame train. They're, they're all, I mean, Jesus is popular. Jesus is doing amazing works. Even when they fall short and they can't heal kids, Jesus is healing them. I mean, it's an, it's an amazing, exciting time for these guys. And again, coming down from the mountaintop, they're seeing all of these things uh, before their eyes and, and, and just being blown away, wrapped up in, in this, this uh, fame for the moment, I believe. You know, you look at the dignitaries that, uh, and, and the famous people today, you look on TV and you see, you know, these people that are uh, in Hollywood or in, in the music scene and uh, they got this entourage with them, right? Um, and I think there was even a show about that or maybe it's still going, I don't know. But uh, about being in, in, in the group of these famous people. And um, we look at those people and sometimes other reports and stuff come out about them. Um, and these people think they have it made just because they're with these famous people right? I mean, and, and some of them are family, but some of them, I've even uh, watched little documentaries on uh, sports figures before uh, about their, the people that they allowed in their, in their group, in their entourage, and some of them were um, taken advantage of greatly by these people in their, honor, in, in their entourage. And um, it, it's a sad thing, but the people, they start getting puffed up in their head that they're running with this big dog or these big dogs. And uh, it controls their minds, it controls their lives. 
And what it actually is is a mirage. It's this thought that they are great because they are with somebody who is great. And again, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's what their, the understanding is, uh, again, even today. And that's where the disciples were getting it wrong. They were thinking, just because we're with Jesus, we saw the mountaintop, Moses, Elijah, Jesus being transfigured, the cloud, we heard the voice of the Father, all these things, we've seen this healing. He's asking us to walk with him. We are great, and who is going to be the greatest? Man-motivated, selfish, pride-motivated. Again, they thought that they were going to be great just because they were rolling with Jesus. But they were off. They were wrong. And again, what they didn't understand, what Jesus was teaching and exhibiting was point number one this morning in your notes. And it's this. Promotion comes through humility. Promotion comes through humility. If you want to be great, if you want to be exalted, the Bible is very clear on how to do that. First of all, we've got to understand where that promotion, where that greatness comes from. The Bible says in uh, Psalms chapter 75, verse 5, Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. It's talking about prideness and exalting yourself. It says this. This is the reason why. Because promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and he setteth up another. Promotion comes through humility. I love what Augustine said long, long time ago. He says this, do you wish to rise? Begin by descending. You plan a tower that will pierce the clouds? Lay first the foundation of humility. Again, Jesus wouldn't stop there. Eventually, and he would go on later, and he would teach this very important principle again. He would lay it out very clearly. He says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 23, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so again, this idea that um, to, to be great, to be, to be uh, uh, awesome, to, to be exalted in this land, uh, the world says, do everything you, have to, you can do to get there. Scrap, gain, get, go, all, all this stuff. And Jesus is, is given a very simple principle. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. The lower you go, the higher God can lift you. The lower you go. But if you're already lifting yourself up, there's nowhere for God to put you. There's nowhere for him to raise you. And that's, that's a difficult principle for mankind to get. That's a difficult principle for us today. And again, when you live and you operate and you work in a world that teaches a, a completely different principle, that's hard in our, not only Christian lives, but to apply that principle in our lives in this world. For instance, if you know in your job that if you don't put yourself out there, that's what, right, that's what they say, you got to put yourself out there. You gotta put yourself out there and, and, and let them know what you're capable of. And I'm not talking about not having ambition. I'm not, that's, we're talking about the heart, we're talking about pride, humility. We're talking about uh, those things. And so, uh, but what, what the world says is, is you've got to be confident. You've got to exude that confidence. You've got to, to, to put yourself out there and, and, and show off. You've got you to be all those things. And so, for a Christian to say, well, if that's how I'm gonna climb the ladder of success, if that's how I'm gonna be promoted in this world, then how do I apply the principle that Jesus is saying that we've got to humble my, I've got to humble myself. 
I mean, if, if, if there's no other way for me to get that promotion at my job, no other way for me to get respect at my job, there's no other way for me uh, to, to, to see the things that I need to see as a, as, a, as a man or as a woman, whatever. How do I apply that? Again, it's, it's very basic, but a very important principle. It starts in the heart. It starts with humility of heart. It's not thinking of yourself, of ourselves, more highly than we ought to think. It's understanding that we're a sinner saved by grace. And I think as, as a child of God, seeing yourself even in the scope of God's eternal plan that you're at that job, and many of you know, many of you have unfortunately lost jobs, you know that that job could go away like that. And that's not to strike fear, but that is to, to, to be real, that everything in this world is temporal. The Bible says riches do make themselves wings and fly away as an eagle. And so we know that the things of this world, the, 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 the treasures of this world, that they'll perish, they'll go away, they're going to rust and moth. I mean, moth, moth can corrupt, moths can corrupt them. Man, they're going to moth. That's, that's a good word. We'll start moth. Say that. If moths get into something, hey, it was moth, you know. But uh, they, uh, that, that's, that's, that's what we have to have understanding that all this stuff's going to go away. The things of the soul is going to go away. So as a child of God, to have the perspective that, you know what? My primary responsibility in this world, no matter if it gets me everything that this world has to offer or not, my primary job as a child of God is to humble myself, is to remain humble, is to be a servant in everything that I do. Say, yeah, but at my job or in my family, if I do that, people are just going to walk all over me. They walked all over Jesus. They walked all over our Lord. And are we greater than our master? And Jesus said that. The servant's not greater than his master. And so again, we have to understand, we, we need to humble ourselves. We're looking for God to exalt, we're looking for God to bless, God to lift us up, God to do something great in our life. We've got to humble ourselves, and it starts in the heart. In the heart, will, everything else will follow. Actions will follow, speech will follow. True humility will do that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 is what I said a while ago. Humble yourselves Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And that's something that's, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, too, because we want to humble ourselves today and God to promote us tomorrow, right? Like, I have humbled myself. Well, stay there then. Stay, stay humble. Stay in that state of humility. And again, our fleshly nature, the world pushing us forward, doesn't allow for us to do that. But that's God's principle. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. When God says, all right, now. And we can try to rush things. We can try to make things happen ourselves. Again, this principle of the world, you've got to make something happen. And then we can mess everything up. Mess everything up. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, our, our Lord, as I said a while ago, was our prime example they walked all over him, but Paul lays it out. I love this beautiful chapter 2 in Philippians. It says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, in, that means the image of God, it was the, the fleshly image of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But, he, but this is what he did. He was God in the flesh. He was equal with the Father. He, 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 he was all those things. But here's what he did. He made himself of no reputation. We know. We saw, uh, you know the Christmas story. Many of you get read it again, uh, maybe in your families. Um, the Christmas story. Jesus was born in a manger. There was no room for him in the end. He didn't come to a palace. He wasn't born to a king, uh, an earthly king. 
But the Bible says he made himself of no reputation. Look what else. He took upon him the form of a servant. The image of a servant. The, the, the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of man. He looked just like us. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Again, Jesus could have done all, all of this at every, any point in time along the way. Jesus could have been exalting himself. I am God in the flesh. I am this. Listen to me. You've got to listen to me. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And while he gave commands and while he, he said who he was, he was not. He was not exalting himself. He was exalting the Father. And he was humbling himself. Again, he was a perfect example for us as we walk this, this earth as well. He humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But it says this, but here's what happened. God also highly exalted him. Look what happened. He humbled himself and the Father exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and of the things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so again, that is the key. Jesus came to this earth and exhibited. If you want to be promoted, if you want to be exalted, if you want to be great in God's sight, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, if you want to be great at all, humble yourself. Humble yourself in your heart. Humble yourself in your life. And everything you do and say, humble yourself, and God will esteem you. God will lift you up. Andrew Murray said something beautiful. He says, Christ is the humility of God embodied in human nature. The eternal love, think about that, the eternal love, humbling himself, clothing himself in the garb of meekness and gentleness. Why? To win and serve and save us. Eternal love humbling itself. It's not just in this world that we are to be looking for God's promotion. You know, because that's, that's, that's what we do. You know, not, not some, some people say, you know, I, I, I'm not looking for promotion in this world at all. Uh, but for the most part, we, we don't hate pay raises, you know. We don't hate those bonuses if you get bonuses. We, we appreciate them. Uh, we're, we, we expect them sometimes and look for them in this world. Well, I would like to make a little more. I'd like to be able to afford this, or I'd like to do this. Again, it, it, we can deny it with our words, but in our hearts, we, most of us are looking, well, it would be nice to, I would like to have. It's just the way it is in this world. But what I'm saying this, this morning is not to be looking only for the promotion or be the, the things this world has to offer, but we should be looking for God to be doing something significant in our lives and through our lives. Something great. For, for, for our lives, as we humble them down, for God to exalt our lives to do something great in this world for his purpose, for his glory, just like Jesus was. Not, not so that we can become the manager or the boss or the CEO or, or make this or have that or do this or do that. No, 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 no. So that in this world, our lives, just as our Lord's was, was laid down and God exalted up to do something eternal, significant, eternally significant. And that's what you and I should be desiring. That's, as the children of God, that's what we should be desiring. You know, I may not have this, I may not have that, I may not have that, I might not go there, I might not be able to see this, I might not be able to do this, but praise God, he's able to just use me up however he wants to use me. We should be seeking those eternal rewards, that eternal promotion. 
Worldly speaking, what would it matter to have the promotion, all the promotion that this world has to offer that goes away in just a few years? Say, I'm young, I'm, I'm 30, 40, 50, I'm 60. I, I still feel like I've got a lot of time to live. What if you say, I'm, I'm 15, I'm 20, whatever? It could go away in just a few years. This world is short. And in the scope of eternity, even if we had 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years to go, that's still short in the scope of eternity. That's still just a few years. So to have everything, all the promotion that the world has and goes away, and especially compared to the eternal promotion and God's eternal plan and God's eternal kingdom, what is it? It's nothing. It is absolutely nothing. And many times we've said this before. It's not, it's not a problem, as I, as I said, to, to have that promotion. It's not a problem to have those things. It's not a problem to go those places. It's not a problem. But man, we should not desire any of those things even remotely close to how we desire the things of God and how we desire the promotion that comes from God. I would love to go and be able to see blank. I'd love to take a trip and go and see that. Not more than you should be wanting to go and see your Lord. Not more than you'd want to see that, that, that mansion that he's preparing for you. And that, that, the, the, uh, the song that Brother Sean sang, I love it, At Your Feet. I find peace. There should be no greater place that, that brings us peace. There should be no greater thing. There should be nothing greater experience as the child of God than to be at the feet of Jesus, to be in his presence in this world. And we all struggle with that sometimes because we, we have flesh, right? And our flesh is easily pleased, but that, that, that pleasure goes away after a season, right? Just a short, sometimes it goes longer. Sometimes it gives us memories, and those memories linger, and we can, we can stay in nostalgia, and those things can happen for a long, long time sometimes. But it's all going to go away eventually. Right. Nothing should give us more peace. Nothing should be greater in our life than the eternal things of God, than God himself. Look on in verse 49, and John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him. We told him, don't do that, because he's not following with us. He's not in our crew. He's not rolling with us. He's not on the fame train. We told him to stop. Don't do those things. You can't do that. You're not in Jesus' group. But Jesus said to him, forbid him not. For he that is not against us is for us. Whoa. <laughs> the, the disciples thought they were doing something right. Hey, no, 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 no. You're not with us. You need to stop. Even though he may have been doing something great for the kingdom of God, you know, even though, even though God may have been using him in a great way, they said, you need to stop because you're not in our, in, in our group, not running with us. And Jesus said, that, that was not smart. <laughs> Why'd you do that? Don't do that. Don't tell them to stop. Just because they're not in our inner circle, it's not, not running with us, doesn't mean they're not doing the works of God. Just because they're not, you know, don't, don't do that. But it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, and he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And that's something that's so important, because Jesus had a plan. He had a purpose. He'd already been unveiling it piece by piece along the way to his disciples. And now he's, he's saying, I'm going to Jerusalem. There's a purpose that I'm going to Jerusalem for. It's going to help accomplish the purpose that I'm here for completely. And he set his face. He was determined. He was not going to be de denied in going to Jerusalem for the purpose that he came for. He set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before him 
that they, and they went and entered in a into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. So they go ahead and just say, hey, go up there and let them know we're going to come through. We've got a, we've got a few people and, and see if we can find a place to stay uh, for the night uh, because it's been a long journey, whatever. Um, and so they do. They go ahead into one of the villages of the Samaritans, but they didn't receive him. Verse 53. Because his face is, was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Well, you're not staying here anyways. You're going to Jerusalem, so no. But look what happens. When his disciples, James and John, now remember, James and John were up on the mountaintop with him. They saw Moses and Elijah, saw the light shine in Jesus' face, saw his, his, the, the, his image change, the cloud, God's voice. I mean, they were, they were literally on the mountaintop with Jesus, experiencing something great, having this conversation about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And, be, and James and John, they, they go up ahead of, uh, of the group, part of this ambassador's group, and they're saying, hey, we, we, need, uh, we need a place because Jesus has come through. You know who Jesus is, right? You know, Jesus, we're with him. As a matter of fact, you know, we were, we were up on the top. You know, you, I, I'm not saying they were doing this, but maybe, maybe they're starting to kind of boast about who they were. You've heard of Jesus, right? You know, this guy, he's healing everybody. He's, he's, he's got the words of eternal life. I mean, he, all these things are going on. You know, right? We're, we're with him. As a matter of fact, we're brothers, and we, we're really close with him. We, I mean, we went up. We can't tell you everything. You wouldn't believe us if we told you. You know, we, 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 we saw, we, just know, we need a place to stay. We're like, no, you can't stay here. <laughs> Look, <laughs> the disciple James and John saw this. Well, what? They're not letting us stay there? Are, are you kidding me? They said this, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? <laughs> did you get what they just did? Listen. Jesus was here to seek and save the lost. He was here to deliver men from their sins and to, to, to do all the things that God uh, had for him to do, which all, was all about saving mankind, not destroying mankind. And James and John are, are like, they're not receiving us into their village. They're not going to give us a place to stay. They're not going to feed us. They don't realize that we're rolling with Jesus. Look, all right, Jesus, you want us to call down fire? We'll call down fire. We'll do it. I mean, you gave Elijah did it. We'll call down fire on this village of Samaritans and wipe them all out. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Isn't that amazing? Because he could have. I mean, he could have called down fire. He could have destroyed that village. He could have given them the power to do the same thing. But the purpose was laid out once again. He explains to them, look, I'm not here to destroy men's lives. I'm here to save them. He's teaching his disciples a lesson along the way. He's, telling, he's teaching them this very important principle as well. And it's, and it's this. Number two, power comes through yielding. He could have imposed his will. They were wanting to impose their will. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. We'll go to another village. I'm here for a purpose. I, I'm yielded to the Father, demonstrating to them, not just saying it with his mouth, but demonstrating that power comes through yielding. Again, he was on this great mission from the Father. And his disciples were still missing the point. They were still missing the whole idea of yielding to God, to the Father. Jesus had set his face to Jerusalem, again, very clearly on a mission. And it wasn't about forbidden people who wasn't running with them. They said, hey, we told them to stop. No, you guys are missing it. 
It wasn't about calling fire down from heaven on those who didn't welcome them. No, you guys still aren't getting it. You guys still aren't getting it. It's not about you know, exerting, exerting this power because you are somebody and you're running with me and you have all this dominance and you do this. No, 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 you're missing it. I mean, really, these guys were off. They had a presumption about them. I think they had this idea about them. Hey, we can do these things because of who we're with. But all along, missing the point of how that power was realized. All along, missing it. And it was through yielding. And how again was Jesus experiencing this? How was, how was he doing this? He was yielded to the Father. He was completely yielded to the Father. And he was a perfect example of being empowered from on high. See, I mean, I'd love to live with the power of God in my life. I'd love to be able to, when, when I pray, I mean, God moves. I mean, I would love to be able to walk and have power and victory in my life over the flesh and struggle with this and struggle with that. I'd love to have the power of God in my life and not have any of these issues. I'd love to have that power, the power that, that delivers men from sicknesses, that delivers people from evil spirits, that raises Jesus from the dead. I want that power exhibited in my life. Remember what Jesus did. He became weak for us. He yielded himself as a sacrifice for our sins. It was through yielding. And again, thinking they were part of this, some, some fame wagon or whatever, the disciples, I think they were probably the epitome of today what we'd say power tripping. You know, they were on a power trip. They were, think, they were thinking that they were going to get these prominent places in heaven, not because they had yielded their lives, not because they had followed Jesus, not because they had forsaken all, as they said, to follow him, not because that, that they eventually would lay down their lives for, for God's glory. Not all of that. At this point in time, they're thinking they're going to be great because they're simply with him. Because, hey, they're a part of this group. They were on a power trip. We're rubbing elbows with the, with the coming king. I mean, when he comes... I mean, he's already showed all this power. Can you imagine when he's the king? We're going to get some cool positions. We're, we're, we're going we're to be pretty cool. You know, we're, we're having this transition in our, um, in our nation. And, um, you know, you see different people being uh, appointed and, and all that kind of stuff. And everybody's talking and looking and, 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 and all this. Some people are like, why are these people getting, why, why are these people getting positions? And, you know, for whatever reason, because they, he, uh, you know, the president-elect knew them or, or whatever the case may be. Um, nevertheless, some of the, you know, I, I, was, I, I watch the news sometimes, and, and um, these people that are contributors, and they were advocates for him during his, uh, the, the election season. Um, so, you know, they're going to meet Trump. Are they going to get a cabinet position? You know, <laughs> they're going to go meet with Trump. What is he going to offer them? Like, you know, it's like this mystery. Well, these people that were outspoken and, and, and close with him, it was that assumption that because they were close with him, they were going to get this position. They were going to get exalted. And some of them came out and said, no, I don't want anything. Uh, you know, we don't know what went on, but I don't want a, a position there. I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing or, or I, I'm considering this or whatever. But again, these disciples in the same place thinking because we're close with him, we're going to get something from it. Regardless, Jesus' resolve was to go to Jerusalem and to reveal his identity. And that was what his mission was. 
And I love this, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul learned this principle. He embraced this principle. But he, he learned it and he embraced it through experience. He, he realized it through trial and hardship. He learned it and then God inspired him to write it and share it so that even us today can, uh, can, can learn from it. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, many of you know we've used this before. Uh, but he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory. I'll boast in my infirmities, in my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You, several of you already know what was going on here. Right before that, he, he had uh, you know, talked about, I knew a man. And, uh, he was called up to the, the third heaven, essentially. Uh, he'd been given abundance of revelations and visions. Uh, but the Bible says that he was given a, a, a thorn, a messenger was sent and given him a thorn in the flesh that he asked God to remove from him three times, and he didn't. And that's what the answer was. My, my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to deal with that, and if you'll just rest in me, if you'll trust me, if you'll yield to me, then I'll still do something great with your life. So Paul says, wow. So the power of God's going to be realized in my weaknesses, when, when, I, when I become weak, then God's strength can be made perfect. If, if that's what it means, and I have to go through troubles and trials and hardships, and, and I have to keep being reminded of my weaknesses and keep being kept in this place of, of frailty and weakness, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to wrap my arms around that and embrace those things and that state. Because it's in those moments that God shows up the greatest. It's in those times that God shows his power like never before. And that's what he says. Therefore, I take pleasure. I'm content. I rejoice in my, not rejoice, I, 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 I embrace my infirmities, my weaknesses. And also reproaches, insults, necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. And why, why would the Apostle Paul do this? Why would he be content and embrace all the things that this world says, man, if you can avoid that, you need to avoid that. Paul had learned it's through those times, as I said, that Christ's strength is revealed. And it's this truth, this statement he says, for when I am weak, then am I strong. When I am weak, when I'm not trying to run my own show, when I'm not trying to do my own thing, when I am not in control and everything's working and I'm, I'm moving and shaking and I'm taking care of business and I'm doing this thing, but when I come to that place where I'm at his feet and I'm weak and I need him and I'm frail and, I, and I'm helpless feeling and I don't have all the answers, it's then that I feel him carry me. It's then that I feel his strength Fill me and empower me to get up another day and to, and to go and share with someone else or, or to serve in the areas that God has given me. It's those moments. But when I get going and everything's wonderful and I feel like everything's in control, then I can take or leave the things of God sometimes. I, well, I don't know if I'm going to go today or not. Or I don't know if I'm going to be a part of that or not. I'm not going to do this or not. No, 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 no. When things go wrong, we start saying, God, I need you. I, I, I need to go to church today. I, I need to go and serve. I, I, maybe I, what, what, what am I not doing in my relationship with God? Things go wrong. We start reeling. But things start going well sometimes, many times. Yeah, I do with or without. Or weak. 
God, I need you. So Paul says, this, I realize, remember the Apostle Paul admitted that in Romans chapter 7, there's things that I do that I don't want to do, and things I don't want to do that I do. I got this war that's going on inside of me with the, the spirit of uh, uh, the flesh is, is wanting to obey the law of sin, but the inner man who's been renewed after, uh, with the Holy Spirit wants to obey the law of Christ. I got this battle. And no doubt, us today, we have that same battle, and, and, and that's what can happen in our lives. We can get so busy and so wrapped up and so doing all these other things and living our life, and, and you know, I'm just trying to enjoy this, and I'm just trying to enjoy that. I just don't want to do this. I want to do that. When things fall apart, God, I need you to heal. God, I need you to restore. God, I'm desperate for you to move. God, I'm desperate for you. And that's what Paul had learned. Paul said, so you know what? I realize when, when he shows up the greatest is when I'm the weakest. And I'm the most I'm laid down before him. So if I stay in, in, in weaknesses, if I stay in, in insults, if I stay in all these troubles and persecutions, if, if my life is defined by that, then you know what? I'm going to embrace it all. He said, I'm going to rejoice. I'll take pleasure. Because when I'm weak, then he's strong. Then I'm strong. You need God's power in your life? Stop fighting. Stop being stubborn. Stop insisting on your way and doing your own thing. Stop insisting that God does it your way. And start yielding to him. Start yielding every aspect. Stop trying to make your life what you want. And start yielding to what God wants. Again, Paul realized this. Like, oh, if God gives me power through my struggles, hurts, and needs, then I'll embrace them so that his power rests on my life. The key was yielding. And the key is yielding, come what may. No matter what, the key is yielding. Jesus would eventually have promised to empower the disciples with the Holy Spirit that they would go out and change the world, essentially. But he said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait and pray. And that's what it says in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that they were praying. And that's when the Holy Spirit descended and the power of God came upon them. It was when they were yielded in that prayer state, in that humble state. It's so imperative that we get this. Alan Redpath said this, if you look upon his face and say, yes, Lord, whatever it costs. At that moment, he'll flood your life with his presence and power. But that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard th thing to say with sincerity of heart. Yes, Lord, I'll do whatever it costs. Yes, Lord. But I think that's where many of us miss out. I think that's where a lot of us miss the power of God because we continue to insist on our way. We, we go down that road, we begin to pray that God, whatever it costs, I just don't want it to be this. I just don't want it to be that. I just don't want it to be my health, my family's health, this, health, this, my job, my finances, my home, my car, my this, my that. I don't want it to be any of these things, but whatever else it costs, God. Again, we continue to try to bargain with God and what we will do and when we will do it and how we'll do it, what we'll give and how we'll serve God. We begin to tell him what our plan is and say, that's what I'll do and this is when I'll do it. And we go day to day, void of the power of God. 
And why am I not feeling the power of God in my lives? And, and as I'm trying to serve him, why is it not exhibited? Maybe it's because we're trying to do it without God. We need to yield to him. Let's look on as we get ready to close. Verse 57, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Now remember, that we just talked about this, yielding to God. So this guy comes up to him and says, hey, I'll go wherever you go. I'll follow you. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He was, he was basically telling him, listen, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. Said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first. Allow me to first go and bury my father. That's, personal. That's a pretty personal thing right there, right? Let me go. Jesus came to him. God said, follow me. Now, you would think that, that if God came to you in the flesh like he was with Jesus, if he came to me and he walked up to our face and said, follow me. That we would have no excuses, right? I think in all of our self-righteousness, every single one of us would say, absolutely. I would follow Jesus right away. I would do whatever he wanted me to do, go wherever he wanted to go, if Jesus walked up to me and said, follow me. But we realize that Jesus is not walking this earth in the flesh anymore, but the, the call is still there. Amen. A daily call. Every single day. doesn't go away follow me every day he's saying that every single day of our lives he's saying follow me he told the disciples follow me i'll make you fishers of men follow me that's the call the call of discipleship still today for every single one of us is follow him jesus doesn't have to do it again and come back in the flesh walk this earth and stand to our face and say follow me he already did it with the word uh, the word of god the written word of god he's done it with the holy spirit and he's doing it every day follow me follow me follow me and how many times in our daily lives uh, the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, calling out, follow me, follow me. And we say, but I, 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 I can't right now. I can't. Because I've I got to do this and I've got to do that. Jesus tells it, walks up to a man and says, follow me. God, God says, follow me. And he gives him the excuse. And so why, why would Jesus do something like that? I mean, bury his father i mean why wouldn't he why wouldn't he i mean why wouldn't he allow for the why, why would he give such a personal and such a hard call there why would he do something so great like a man needing to bury his father i believe it's for several different reasons but one of the main reasons is this there's no greater purpose that our lives exist for on this world than for the glory and the kingdom of god See, we, we make it more. We, we add to it. We do things to it. Well, I don't think God would be really, if, if I went and did that, I mean, it's, 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 it's my this, it's my that. And I'm not saying anything wrong with going and burying your, your loved ones. But Jesus was given this illustration because he was saying there should be no greater priority in this world than following him. There should be nothing in this world that compares priority-wise, importance-wise, than to our following of him. That's why it was such a hard, such a great thing. Let me, let me go and bury my father. Jesus' answer, 
Go and preach the kingdom of God. Go and preach the kingdom of God. Again, he was saying, this world, this time in this world is so short. You only have a short time to follow me. You only have a limited time to do what I've called you to do. I'm telling you, go and preach the kingdom of God. It's not very nice of Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. What in the world? Where? That's what I'm saying. Our mindsets, our hearts, our lives get saturated with fleshly and worldly and temporal thoughts and, and feelings and, and persuasions and principles and, and all those things. And we forget that it's a simple call that's been put out there for every single child of God. Follow me. No matter what it costs. No matter what the sacrifice is. No matter where I tell you to go, what I tell you to do, follow me. We don't like that, though, because we, as I said before, you've heard me say this, we want that golden ticket and then just kind of do what we want to do. And at the end of our lives, we'll be able to turn that golden ticket in for, for, our, for an open gate in heaven. All right, I said yes to Jesus, so I can come in, right? That's why Jesus gave so many, so many lessons on what true saving faith was. That's kind of what this third, this third point is. He says, you go and preach the kingdom of God. And said also, no, Lord, I'll follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Another great, important element of our lives here, a bearing father. And now let me just go say bye to my family. Look what Jesus says. No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, there is no other priority. He's teaching this principle. There's no, there is to be nothing, not mother, not father, not spouse, not child, nothing come between the commitment of us and our Lord. He is to be Lord of all. That's, again, later we'll see this. Jesus said, unless a man forsakes all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Unless a man hates his mother, his father, his brother, his sister, his, his, his wife, his children, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. He was saying in comparison to his love and his followership of me, if, if, if it's not looking like that in your life, you, you're not a follower. And that's why the call, follow me, well, let me go home and say, say bye to my family. No, 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 did you hear what I said? He's God. He's God. He says, follow me. Now. It's imperative, follow me. But I, gotta, I, got, I, I have something else. Well, where'd you get that family again? It's a blessing from God. It's a blessing from God. And even in our families, there is to be nothing that comes before him. There is to be nothing that comes before our God. What does it mean then if something comes before our God? That they are our God? That's why the Ten Commandments are so hard. That's why it's so clear. You shall have another God, no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven image unto yourself. Nothing is to come before God. So I don't like that. I don't, why are we having this message on a New Year's? I'm going to talk about new and re resolutions. And 
Because I, I think if we're going to see God do something great in our lives and through our lives, and if we're asking him to do something amazing in 20, 2017, then we better get these things down and this third, third one down very importantly. And it's this position comes through trust. And you say, ah, position, I don't know. I'm not looking for any position. Position I'm talking about is a child of God. One who has an, a, a place, an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Position only comes through trust. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said, if you continue, continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, that's how you show that you are my disciples. Not just when it's convenient, not just when it fits your life, not just when you want to, but when you continue, when you continually follow me day after day, when I have said follow me, you said yes, Lord, it's an everyday thing, all day thing, never stopping, never ending. If you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed. Obedience is a product of what? Obedience is a product of faith, of trust. When you trust him, you obey him. We sing that song, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in, in, in sins, he hath quickened, together, quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. Let these words ring out in your, in your minds, in your hearts. It's by grace that you're saved. God, who is rich in mercy, when we were dead in trespass and sin, could not save ourselves. Jesus did these things for us, and he's made us, he raised us together, and look at this, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's the work of God. It's something he's done. We haven't done anything to earn it. We simply trust him. We put our faith in him, and that's what saved us. But again, that faith, that trust is a faith and a trust that follows, that doesn't compromise, that doesn't uh, uh, try to work out a deal or, or anything like that. It's an absolute, follow me, yes, Lord, I, I'm turning away from sin and I'm following you the rest of my life. Every day, all day, I'm following you. That's how that position, a position of a child of God, position in the eternal kingdom of God comes through trust, absolute trust alone. But he's made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, of that grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And many of you know verses 8, 8 and 9. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But look what verse 10 says, very important verse 10. Because we are his workmanship. He has done it. It's his work. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. This is why he did the work. This is why we're saved. This is why we have a position in Christ Jesus, a position in heaven unto good works. He saved us and created us after the image of his own son so that we would work something that he ordained before this world even began. And that's what it says, which God has ordained, ordained that we should walk in them. God did it. God gives us the position we don't earn it. He does it. Why? Why does God do it? Why is it all him? Well, we, we just are simply to trust and follow so that he's the one that gets all the glory. And again, all, that only happens through obedience. It only happens through obedience. Musicians will make their way. So it's not just about not earning it, but it's also about us, please listen, not having the right to tell him what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. 
If it's all about him and it's, it's, it's us following him, not him following us. God, I'm going to follow you except for when it comes to my dad who I've got to bury. I'm going to follow you except for when it comes to my family at home that I've got to go to. No, no, no. No, that's not what he said. I'm going to follow you unless it has to do with the Cowboys or unless it has to do with this or unless it has to do with that or unless it has to do with my kids or unless it has to do with... No, 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 no. He said, follow me, period. Follow me, period. No dot, 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 no parentheses, no nothing. Follow me. So we don't have the right if we are simply to trust and obey, trust and follow. We have no right. If, if it's his salvation, if it's his grace, it's his mercy, it's his heaven, it's his eternal life, it's all those things that we want and we enjoy and all the blessings that he gives us now, if it's all his and it's to bring him all glory, then we have no right to say, I'll do it this way, I'll do it that way, I'll do it at this time, I won't do it at this time, I'll, I will do this or I won't do that. We have no right. And that's what Corinthians tells us, that we are bought with a price. Elizabeth Elliot said it well. She said this, I don't, I don't think you're in a bargaining position with God. He is the master. He is the commanding officer. It's not for you to have input. It's simply for you to accept the orders as the orders are given. Trusting him. We are made joint heirs. Trusting him. We are to obey his commands. This morning, I want to challenge you. Three things, three important things. Promotion, power, and position. All of them come from God. And they come from opposite means that the world tells us they come from. They only come from humility, from yielding, and from trusting. And I don't know about you, but God, if he gives us another year, 2017, if he gives us an entire year, I think we're going to see an interesting year this year. I'm just telling you, I think it's going to be interesting. But if you'll give us this year, the only way we're going to see him do great things, if the only way you're going to see him do great things in your life, in your family's life, in this church, is if we'll embrace these three things. If we will humble ourselves, if we'll yield ourselves to him completely, and we will trust him with everything. God will pour out, he will promote, he'll he'll do all the things that only he can do. Where he says his ways are higher than our ways. We've got to do this if he's, if he's going to do the things he wants to do. And so I challenge you with it this morning. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. Andrew Murray says the only humility that's really ours is not that which we try to show before God in prayer, but that which we carry out with us in our daily conduct. It's not just about coming to this altar and saying, God, I want these things. Thank you, and going back and being just the same. It's about carrying it out in, a day, in our daily lives, living it out. And if you're here and you've never experienced God's saving grace, you've never been forgiven of your sins, if someone were to ask you this morning, if I asked you, hey, do you know where you're going to spend eternal life? Hey, do you know where you're going to go? If you were to die today, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And if you're here and you say, I, I don't know what I would say. I don't know where I'd go. I don't even know what happens after death. If that's you, I, I'm going to ask you to come this morning. Nobody's going to try to do anything to embarrass you. Nobody's going to do anything weird. All I'm asking you is to come this morning, come forward. I have a couple ministers and allow them to show you in God's word. 
how you know you can go to heaven when you die. A guarantee. Not a hope so, but a guarantee. They'll show you in God's word and you can settle that matter. And today, the first day of 2017, a brand new year can be a brand new life for you. And I beg you to please come. At least let them show you, at least let them show you how to do, how to do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the message, God. I pray that you would work in my life first. Start with me as I've prayed already, Lord. I I, want to be this person that's completely, 100%, every day, humbled, yielded, trusting you. Lord, help all of us as your children be those people. Help us not to negotiate or try to uh, wiggle our way out of following you or, or even come up with what we seem in our minds to be good excuses. Lord, help us follow you the way that you deserve as God alone, as master of our life, as Lord of all. Lord, help us follow you unquestioned every single day of our lives. And we'll be glorified in now. We ask that you move. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.